Hey, everybody, it's Jeff. I'm out of town this week, and so the podcast episode is in Lee and Jay's capable hands. I'm sure they'll do a great job. But before they start, I wanted to just remind you about the assignments feature for MXU team subscribers. So if you're a leader of a team of volunteers, you know that training and retaining those folks can be one of the most difficult tasks that you have to manage. So we wanted to partner with you in that and make that a little easier. Assignments is the best way to make that happen. If you have a new volunteer on your team and they need to be brought up to speed around some basic concepts, you can assign a video to them or a playlist of videos and monitor their progress as they go so you can see exactly where they are when they show up for in-person training. Also, if you want to bring your entire team around a new concept, you can assign a playlist of videos to the entire team and you and they can track each other's progress so that you can spur each other on to make your way through the playlist as a group. You know, to me, assignments is the most exciting feature we've brought to the app in a long time. So we can't wait to hear how you're using it and how it's helping your team get better. If you're not a subscriber to MXU Team, then you have to go to getmxu.com today and sign up. We know that you won't regret it. All right, let's get to the podcast. You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 108 of the MXU podcast. My name is Lee Fields. I'm here with my co-host, Jay Desai. What's going on, everybody? What's up? Not much. Atlanta. Cloudy day. We're, um... We're flying a duo here. We don't. It's no longer a trio. Yeah, we got rid got rid of Jeff. Well, it was about time. I mean, you know, I'm glad we asked him to resign before he resigned. I know he uh, he cashed out his retirement and he's in the Dominican Republic for the rest of his life. Maybe I mean, thankfully, Liz speaks Espanol. So that that's would, true. That'd be great. I wonder if it, would you ever buy an island? I would. Are you, have you met me? <laughs> I'm sitting in a throne in my loft. Do you think? Of course, I would buy an island. <laughs> my family, I say that because I'm not included in this statement. My family's obsessed with these real estate shows where they look at three options and then they buy something of those three. Like, you know, but your, like your wife and kids are, or like yeah. your extended family? No, my wife and kids. Um, but the island ones are insanity. I mean, because it, it's either $7 million right. or it's. 150,000. It's, and you know, depending on what country you're in, obviously it has a lot to do with that. But I was thinking about that this week with Jeff and the Dominican on vacation. Like he should go buy an island, <laughs> buy an island for 30 grand. I have this friend here in Atlanta, Justin, and his family has lineage back to Maine. And they every summer go to this piece of land that is, uh, or it's an island off of Maine. And there's like houses all over this island that families have had for years, but the power goes off every night and it's like rural uh, type vibe and they love it. And I've always wanted to go with them. It's never worked on my schedule. So, but I think that would be kind of awesome. It would be awesome, but I'd build, I'd just, build a fort. Like I'd have a castle wall. I'd defend it. I would get Island fever. I don't know. Like, what, I don't, I don't know what that I, is. Is that like too much reggae? No, Island fever is like, when you feel like you're on an island, you guys have to get out. Like you feel trapped. That's how I feel at church on most Sundays. <laughs> church fever. It's like island fever. I feel like I'm on an island and I got to get out. Well, there's this great community called MXU that you should look at being a part of. <laughs> okay, there's good. no membership fee. You just you just say that you're a part and you're a part and it solves all your problems. <laughs> oh, wow. Instant. <laughs> Instantly. Mixed with water. Speaking of, can we talk about this MXU 75 trash for a second? <laughs> i'm mad today can you tell I'm, yeah. today i'm mad because i texted you yesterday and yeah. you were asking questions so i did a little research last night for uh for the our lovely listeners at home this is day seven of not any adult beverages yeah which i haven't i took 21 days off probably like eight years ago and every now and then i'll take a couple of days off here and there but Day seven, day five and six for me, I, something would happen to me. I would crash in the afternoon. Huh. And I texted Lee yesterday that I was going, he's like, how are you sleeping? I was like, yeah, it's okay. feel real sluggish. But then I started doing on three talks. My body is legit having withdrawals. That's what it is. It's got a you name. Think it, you think that's it? Yeah, it has to be. There's no other reason 
I mean, I've been going pretty hard for work stuff, but I, it's not that. Yeah. You're not an alcoholic either, but you'll have a glass of something with dinner regularly. Yeah, 100%. I'm a social drinker. Yeah. My house it could basically be a liquor store, and I don't sit at home and drink. Right. But I am a very social drinker. So the the, the one great thing that I told myself if I was going to do this is that I would keep my social calendar. Yeah. And that's been great. Like I had my monthly dinner club on Wednesday, on Tuesday. Uh we had our dinner club on Tuesday and we did the oyster steak type vibe here in Atlanta and it was great and everyone brought a bottle of wine. I didn't bring I brought one. I didn't drink it. Uh and I did great. Uh, luckily yeah. this ended on St. Patty's by the way. St. Patty's was the last day I I right. had an adult beverage, so that was probably good the next day. And then yeah. some, but then last night, a bunch of people want to take, or two nights ago, a bunch of people want to take me out for my birthday, which was six weeks ago, but I've been gone. And so I went with a bunch of people. It was great. I went to my local, one of my local pubs, and I was able to be fine. So that part, it's not the not drinking part. It is interesting to see how my body has responded. So yeah, I have needed the water because I do realize that helps. Yep. Um, and then, I have tried intentionally to green up my food a little bit more because what I read is the nutrients do help. But anyways, all good things. I, but I was a little—I've been a little mad today, just in general, and uh, it yeah. probably has to do with that. So I'm not looking forward to the cold showers. I actually like that part. I don't like that. Like the um, also, we started doing box breathing. Yes. So I started that a couple weeks ago. So we got a hot tub at home. Uh, first world problem can't hide money. I think you're supposed to say that when you say I'm yeah, on a hot tub. 100%. People may give me crap for it, but um, in the hot tub at night by myself, like late after everyone's asleep, staring up at the stars, you do a few minutes of box breathing, it puts you in a trance. Okay, I'm gonna go it, sit on the roof happens. tonight and try that, dude. Like it takes a few days of doing this before I th- it, something happens. Like the first few days, you're just doing it and it's mechanical and you're like, you breathe in, hold, you breathe out and you just do it over and over and you're like, okay, I did it. But then it becomes more muscle memory. The actual activity of doing it is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So then like, I don't know, two minutes in, three minutes in of doing it in the hot tub, bro, I, you like forget what's happening even and your body's still going and you're still doing it. It's crazy relaxing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try that. I don't have a hot tub, so either I'll send you a photo from my tub, or I'll send you one from the roof later. Yeah, I think you know the hot tub may not uh, be the key component there, but I think doing it somewhere that's quiet. Like I don't, the Navy SEALs use this when they're being shot at to calm down, so it works there too. But right. if you can do it when you're already in a calm environment. Totally. I, I mean, the floor just bo- dropped well, up. The, the, I wouldn't describe the uh, inner city of Atlanta as quiet, as calming. <laughs> <laughs> We've got these repetitive sirens and uh, no, yeah. that's the, I can Zen anywhere though. That'll be great. Um, yeah. So try that. I talked to someone yesterday that was really struggling with it, with just where we are in the whole thing. And so it was nice to, to encourage each other and, and push through. None of us have been perfect. Anyone that says they've been perfect on this, is either supernatural or just a liar. But someone said, oh, that's really good that you're doing this for you the other day. And I was thinking about it. I actually was like, I said, thank you, of course. I said, and then I went back to him. I was with him for a couple of days. I said, hey, just so you know, I'm not just doing this for me. Uh, I said, I'm doing this for a community of people. We have a large number of people that at least had signed up. It's hard to quantify how many people are still doing it. But I'm doing this for our community. But really, I'm yeah. doing it for my mom, my dad, my nephew, my sister, my friends. You know, like, uh, I'm doing it for all of us. Like I'm doing it for me, but I'm doing it for a better version of me so I can be a better me for everyone else in my life. So, yep, I agree. That was encouragement in itself to hang in there. So anyways, I've been a little frustrated, but not because of the booze. I actually, the only time I ever drink socially is when I'm traveling. Usually when I'm out with all you guys. (laughs) So that's, that's, that's been fine. Um, I've been frustrated because. I know that I should be exercising more than what's required, but I'm not yet. And it's frustrating. Yeah. Not because I'm choosing not to do it, but because I'm just, I'm really trying to take it slow and trying to approach this differently. Yeah. 
I get but that. I also know that to get significant change, that's got to ramp up. Well, you you're a hard in the paint guy. When you do something, yeah, you're all in. Like we were talking about boots the other day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah when you get into something, you get into which is well probably what makes you a great engineer is that you're not just trying to uh, be a mediocre engineer you're 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 into it you're hard in the paint of audio you know like yeah. i enjoy mixing i really do like but yeah. if when the world's ending and i'm mixing like if there's production problems i want to go solve the problems and i always admire the guys that can just stay focused at the console That's which is me. why i'm a why i feel like i'm a way better pm tm than i am an audio guy like i will be yeah. able to mix and i know what sounds good but i don't hyper focus on audio I'm a big picture, keep everyone together, you know. I'll tell people mm-hmm. at church all the time, if y'all see me running, run. Because I'm calm under pressure. Right. And even keel, I can direct people, I can get it done. But if y'all see me running, first off, that, take yeah. a photo. Two, you're not going to be able to take a video because <laughs> you won't capture me that quick. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, but you go hard in the paint. That's probably why you're frustrated. I think it is. But also, I don't, I don't consistently go hard in the paint on anything. Like I'll be tired of cowboy boots this time next year, probably. But <laughs> right now, so anyone looking to buy cowboy boots, just hang in there in about a year. Yeah. There'll be some for sale. <laughs> That's true. Size 12. I'll have your supply. Um, but yeah, but with mixing, I do go hard. This funny. We're talking about this because right now I'm doing a tour this summer on a console that, I usually don't use. I'm using Digico, the Quantum 338 on this tour. Mm. And great screens. I, the, it's the most beautiful desk out there. It really is. But I've used Digico before in conferences, arenas, but it's like you get one day, set up a conference patch list and go. It's not a lot of time to really dig in. Yeah. But so now that I know I'm using this at the end of May, I've got a lot of time to really dig in and learn everything. And the, like you said, like I go hard. So I went and bought a little uh, PC at Best Buy. I didn't want to do parallels because I didn't want to poison my Apple computer. Yeah, But just a little cheap, cheap PC for the offline installer. So I've been going through every single menu, every single button, reading every word and every option, trying to know where everything is. And I could have done this tour just walking up to the console and sure. been fine, right? But I really, 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 really want to know everything about the desk the same way I do any other desk. That, but that desk, the digital desks were so flexible. You can do so many crazy things. Yeah. And I've always heard people say that, and I repeat that. You know, I say, well, you can do anything with that desk. But now I understand what I was saying. Oh, yeah. Stephen Bailey shows me things once a week where I'm like, I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, and it's more nuanced stuff, like the options and preferences. It's not necessarily like, yeah, it'll do bus to bus, and you can insert things anywhere. Yeah, it's, and that's it's usually nothing you would you, le- read in a brochure highlight. You know, like 12 buses, isn't, it's not that. It is the nuances, the fine print. It is. It's the things you can do with the solo buses, the things you can do with um, saving mixes per person, like all, all of that kind of stuff. It's the like... Well, no one's doing this. Our church monitor file right now, um, when you have the mixes on faders, not on the screen, um, Josh Cruz, genius, has programmed the mute buttons to be solo talk buttons. So I can't mute people's mixes. <laughs> I can bring their fader down, but I can if I hit mute on the drum bus, I'm talking to the, just the drummer. Yeah, It's great. It's actually made things way more funnier for people, but way more distracting. Because now I just mess with everybody. It's not advisable. They need to take that feature away from my file. Yeah, I get it. So one thing I am doing, um, Corey Edwards and I, we were talking about this yesterday. I haven't told you this yet. We're going to buy an outboard rack of gear. Of course you two are. Um, He's going to use it on the Elevation Worship Tour this spring. and I'm going on that tour with him. Oh, well, you'll see our gear out there. Um, but the first thing I'm buying is that Neve master bus processor that I was used on the Ravage. Yeah. Because I don't want to like totally abandon my workflow on the Ravage. Have you written a letter to Yamaha that y'all are breaking up? 
Yes, but we didn't break up. So you're just seeing other people. I this is an arranged marriage, me and the three three eight. So um, I did call them. I'm not under any obligation to only use Yamaha, but people know that that's my console of choice. Yeah. So I did call them and say, "Hey, I'm doing this tour this summer. It's three three eight. I'm just letting you know." It wasn't like a, I hate you guys because I'd rather them know. Oh, 100%. That, yeah. You okay. know, so, um, but the Digico, man, it's friggin' awesome. That's great. It's all the mustard stuff, obviously, is a big difference totally. than it used to be. Yeah, I have come to really enjoy them. I just miss, I will tell you though, I've never heard a pre like a Midas. Here we go. I know. Here we go. I know. I know. I I agree with you. The SSL, the Midas, and I do think the new Rivage sounds great. Sounds awesome. It, when people say consoles sound good, it's SSL and Midas. I think Yamaha is now in that list. With Digico, the, you know, even the 32-bit pre's, it is the most pristine pass-through out there, I think. There's not a lot of color. Yeah. So sometimes consoles can color them poorly, like the Yamaha M7CL did not sound good, and I think they would tell you that. But the Digico doesn't do anything. It's yeah, but just, that M7 had the click in the gain. It did have the click. <laughs> so good. I think once you cross like 10 o'clock, it would click. Um, but you know what I'm saying? So I think the Digico with outboard gear, with plugins, I don't think you have to have it. Don't shoot me, Matt, Kyle, Ryan. But... Um, it's just different. No, I get that. That's cool. What else are you guys going to put in your outboard rack? Well, a converter, which I'm still learning about this. I'm just trusting Corey. Like he's told me why we need an, a mastering converter. So instead of going from the master bus processor back into the console as an insert, mm -hmm. we'll go from the master bus processor to the converter to the PA. That, so it doesn't that'll give you less console. latency. No, it's because the conversion sounds better in the oh, converter gotcha. than it does. It's it's those really high end two channel mastering converters. Are you going to take this rack out at the end of May or whenever you're going? I I don't. Yeah, I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to. That's great. Yeah. Are you, are you guys going to start a little business like Noise Boys or some cheesy ass name like something, that? Something like that. It'll have an MXU logo and Corey's face and a Vino <laughs> lotion. Listen, on the you put side. Corey's face on anything, it'll sell. <laughs> that's right. Just ask his wife. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that's that's that. That's what I'm working on. Well, that's awesome. And there may be some other stuff in it. We'll see. I think we're going to start it small, and then once it pays for itself, just throw some more gear in it. Yeah. How it all happened, though, was he was trying to rent gear again for his next tour, and it's just not stuff available. Everything's out. So I was like, well, hey, let's just buy it. And Yeah, that's great. Little investment, yeah. Um, okay. Or you could buy another plug-in for $29.99. That's true, too. That is also true. Um, I had a little topic I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. I saved it for the podcast. And... I haven't given a lot of like real good thought to this, so let's just let's just throw it out there and see where it goes. I think we have a problem. Okay. I think generally speaking, church tech teams, worship teams are suffering right now from a lack of innovation. Creativity or innovation? Ooh, good question. Definitely innovation, not creativity. And Yes, I, I'm going to stick to that, and we can dive in. Um, I was having a similar convo a couple of days ago, so I'm intrigued by your perspective here. Tell me, dive into it a little more. Okay, so I'm not seeing anything any church is doing. I'm generalizing. Maybe there's a few that is innovative. We're not seeing anything new, anything groundbreaking coming from anyone in the church production community. We're seeing... Creativity is great, though. And here's what I mean by that. If you were to rewind the clock before COVID, maybe like a year before COVID, so 2019, 2018, there were just a handful of churches that everyone was looking at to see what like great quality was, whether this was audio, video, or lighting, right? 
and we can name them. It was what started a church on the move 10 years ago. You know, the whole modern, modern worship, how production could be, they really did set the bar. But then it was passion, elevation, Bethel, um, Red Rocks started pretty early. You know, I, I'm missing a few, but sure. almost any church that you flip on their live stream, they're doing that style of worship and tech and video and everything pretty well. They may not have the best singers. They may not have, you know, their arrangements may be a little off. The mix is like, it's good, but it's not great. But it is light years better than it was three years ago. For sure. So, so I feel like all of those churches have now caught up. I mean, there's room to grow for a lot of them. I was looking at just some random ones online this morning. But for the most part, we're just seeing the same thing done the best way it can be done. We're not seeing like anything like groundbreaking changing. You know what I'm saying? Yes. What I was saying a couple days ago is I don't feel like we're being that creative. Because perfect example is LEDs, the buzzword, right? Everyone needs LED all of a sudden. Yeah. I don't understand why we can make all these kind of crazy ass shapes on LED walls and abstract designs of LED walls, but then you show a sixteen by nine video in the middle of that thing. I know, like we're not, like you're not even exploring the angle of the thing, you know. Yep. And so it feels like I don't know whether execution and, and programming aren't congruent. Like we're not all talking about it, or like everyone would love to make that work. We are just all running a million miles an hour and we're tired. I think that's it. That's where I was headed. I think, I think because the demand for doing stuff and doing events is so high, there's no room for it. So back when we just had two days of services and, you know, three other days during the week, just to dream and look at concerts and like what everybody else is doing. That's when we saw innovation and creativity. Maybe you and I are saying the same thing, but when I said I think creativity is okay, that was probably a bad, a bad word to use. But everyone is catching up. That's really what I'm saying. Now I right. think there's a few exceptions. Like there are a couple sleepers out there right now that I think are just crushing it. That's great. Have, have you seen what Victory Church is doing in Tulsa? No. There's a guy there. Well, the TD there, his name's Chris Trowbridge. He's a friend. You know Chris. That's yep. where we did our event yeah, yeah. Uh, on tour last year. Well, the LD there, his name's Cameron Benjamin. This kid's a freak. Okay. I don't know that he's a kid. He might be 45, and I just call him a kid, so sorry. But he might be 17. So I don't, I don't know. You're an elder in the production community, so everyone's <laughs> I, I am now. <laughs> I am now, yeah. But it's crazy good, and it's it's very, very different. But it's still in the same ballpark as like what you guys do at Passion, what Red Rocks do. Like it's it's in the same ballpark. It's just freaking up there. Like I think he, what this guy's doing is blowing the doors off of churches with way bigger budgets. But that's credit to him. He's super creative, and and Chris, you got to have a great leader to do that. So there's that. So people go look at their stuff. It's really really good. I need to check it out. Yeah, I just, I want to, you know, I've all, I think we all do. I also think um, we need some more inspiring art out of yeah community. And I'm not just talking about music. So, you know, don't hear me. I think music is most of our drugs. You know, that's why we're all here. Like, the, I was going to say this to you uh, when we were talking about you go hard in the paint. The reason mixing has always, has never uh, left you is because I think you love music. That's very true. And because I do a bunch of corporate stuff, you know, and I want to blow my brains out half the time. And everyone's like, well, you got to mix a band that night. It's like, yeah, I'm not really interested in that. Like, I love music. That's why I got into this whole thing. So I think that's why it stuck with you. But I think, personal opinion, I just haven't come across a lot of art that's inspiring right now. And I think uh, on this side of it, while I grew up playing music and like it on the production side of it, uh, production supports program. You know, and, yes. and art, and I just a lot of programming is inspiring to me because I think we're formulated, and there isn't a lot of art in the thing. Even 
some free moments feel too scripted and not art. I think yeah. songs are starting to feel uh, have been scripted, but I'm not seeing visual art. Anyways, that's my soapbox right now. Is I just don't I'm not, and maybe it's me. Maybe there's blinders on me that I or my heart's in an interesting place that I can't get inspired. But I feel like I need inspire. I went to the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam. Yeah, and that inspired me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, also, you know, in his story, he's so tortured and ended up taking his life. And I, I ended up listening to Starry Night by Don McLean. I don't know if you know that song, yeah. but it's about Van Gogh. And that song is, feels artistic. I just feel the need for some inspiration in art. I'll work 10 times harder. I'll load in 24 hours. I don't, work doesn't bother me, but I want to promote art. And I think the church should be the leader in that. Well, it used to be. But yeah, it's a cycle. It's always kind of come and gone. And I mean, there were times in history when the church wanted nothing to do with it. You know, if you go back to that right. Medici era in Italy and the Vatican, and they were destroying art. They thought it was sacrilegious. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I just think let's all reach deep. We just came come out of a really trying season as a world, as a group of people, as a church. And I think we're all running a million miles an hour, but if we can all just breathe for a second, I wonder if we can reach deep and pull out some really good art. Yeah, and it's not it's not good art and innovation for the sake of it. It it's doing it because it will connect with people in a way that it wasn't happening before. For like sure. It still has to be the motivating factor. It cannot be check out this hologram. You know, that's meatball Sunday. That's you can't just put a meatball on top of vanilla ice cream. And like, well, that's different. Yeah, well, it also sucks. <laughs> right. You I know? agree. But you you said it too. It's like pr- production has to follow programming. So it really is up to us to lead up into the programming teams. Like, hey, let's do something different. And then how does production come around that and support it differently than it's done before? But I feel like when someone says, let's do something different, we just move the LED tiles into a different formation and yep. maybe change the stage plot. Yep. And that's not working. I'm not. No, let's turn the drummer sideways. In my opinion, let's get, let's put him outside. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I just think that we can all re I, I would love for our creative leaders, whoever those gatekeepers are across the globe to call us to more cast vision and pull something out of, of all of us, whether yeah. it's songwriters or visual artists or production people. And in our little nucleuses, in our little churches and groups that we're in that, that we would have someone in there that could really speak life into the thing. And I think we would see some crazy times. I think we would see crazy worship. I think we would see uh, crazy growth, not just numerical growth, but in people. Um, the most refreshing moments for me, and I've always kind of been, maybe this is just a me thing, is hymns. When someone throws a hymn in, I just breathe a little deeper. I probably sound like an old man for sure now. But uh, someone sang "He Is Here" by built from the Gaither Band the other day, yeah. And it was just piano and a vocal. And I was at this event in Santa Fe, and this guy could sing, um, and he wasn't perfect, but he sang that song. And it was just a piano player, and I literally was like, next thing I knew, I was in tears, and I was texting people, "Do y'all remember this song?" And I, literally, I've listened to it every day. That sounds so cheesy. Yeah. I need a drink. I got I got 21 days to go. <laughs> but I, it was inspiring. And so that's awesome. That's it inspired me. So maybe that's our challenge to each other. Let's reach deep, inspire each other, push us to more. I'd rather just leave the same set for six months than just rearrange the tiles. I, yeah, uh, dude, me too. Like the. I, Remember what used to be like churches had to change the whole set for every sermon series. Like, thank God that's over. Right. Now it's like you get one in the fall, you get one at Christmas, you get one in the spring, and then the Easter one stays up through the summer for kids camps. And then you, right. So, you know, it's, it's a little, but I would change it every week if we had reason. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it was to inspire and to communicate and to touch people, I would do it every week. And it's probably a bad yeah. use of resources, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So box over for me. Yeah. And obviously, you know, all the all the big churches with big staff and rock stars on their team, they're all doing awesome. But like they all get enough credit anyway. Like so many hard workers at Passion, like so many great yeah. 
hard workers. It's not them. I'm just saying as a generalization. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just haven't seen stuff and maybe there's stuff going on out there. That's just crazy. Well, please send us stuff. I want to know. I watch worship fails every week. I've seen it. (laughs) Well, I don't know that it would be on there. (laughs) Dude, this, this lady's keyboard fell the other day and it must've been the pastor. My man went up there and held the piano so she could play it. Gangster move. That is gangster. He was just willing to, to do what he needed to do. All right. Well, we've got an interesting guest today. Okay. Who is it? I didn't know. The man, the myth, the legend, Toby Walters, founder and CEO of Church Gear is with us. Oh, dude. I need to talk to this dude. I feel like he could come to my house and take some stuff. Are You're like a hoarder of old church gear in your house? <laughs> no, but I, like I have probably three fifty eights at my house. I don't need any 58s. I don't even know why I have them. Like I, that's funny. He's probably going to be like, yeah, I'll give you 500 bucks for everything you have. I don't even really play music and I got a bunch of instruments. Just someone come take it all. You got a banjo behind your head right now. Yeah, I do. That's just so I can fit in in the South. It's going to take more than a banjo. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get Toby in here. Well, we're here. It finally happened. Toby Walters, welcome to the podcast. Guys, you don't know how exciting it is to be invited onto the Jerry Springer of church production shows. <laughs> am I am I Steve or am I the little dwarf? I, I say you're the big dwarf, but it's kind of you know counterproductive to say big dwarf, but uh where's the envelope to find out if I'm the dad? That's what I was waiting <laughs> on. <laughs> Y'all, I used to look um Toby, I moved to America in ninety-four. I was twelve years old. Okay, and I, I learned a lot about American culture by watching Jerry Springer after school. Oh man, <laughs> oh my! Gosh. I'm so scared of that statement. Oh, it was so good. I mean, is Sandstrom going to come out in a bikini later to unveil the results of your he, he's paternity work, test? Working out way more than us, so it, it's better than Leah. Even though I would probably <laughs> fill up the bikini a little better. Yeah, I know. Why did the skinny guy decide to work the hardest on the MXU 75 day challenge? Just to make that make the fat kids feel better. Or feel worse. Yeah, totally. It's like, well, that's why we're fat. It's because we don't have that gear right. that he yeah. has. He signed up to do CrossFit remotely and has been doing a full CrossFit exercise every day. He's also older. That's true. That That's supposed to hurt. I think you guys lost 25% of your audience because Jeff tried so hard on the 75-day challenge. <laughs> right. I think so. I mean, like, will you stop talking about this? <laughs> Thanks. Toby, where are you located? Uh, Franklin, Tennessee. Oh, man. Is Franklin becoming the new Orange County? Because, you know, when people are from Orange County, and if you go, oh, you live in L.A.? And they're like, no, Orange County is not L.A. I don't want to break confidence of my new next door neighbors, but like they're literally from Orange County. And if I could, if I could break confidence, I could tell you how Orange County they are. But yes, it's (laughs) literally becoming the Orange County of Tennessee. It is in in more ways than one. It was, it's already. Williamson County is where Franklin is. It's yes. one of the wealthiest counties in the in the nation anyway. Be, but not because everyone there is in $30 million houses. It's because there are maybe 100 people there with hundreds of millions of dollars and then a bunch of country stars and yep. record label executives. And then there's the rest of us. Yeah. And then there's me. It's Pleasantville for sure. Yes. And growing up in Southern California where I was a kid, like it is Pleasantville. And everyone's still moving there. How many people a day are moving to Nashville? What's the what's the latest number? It's like a hundred, something like that. I don't. It's something crazy. I don't follow it, but it's crazy. yeah. It's like thirty thirty thousand people every few months or something. It's something crazy. Anyway, okay, church gear. So we've been talking a lot yes. about you guys. We've partnered with you guys this year because we think you're awesome. But yeah. why don't you tell us how did you become to be awesome? How this all start? Well, um, if my dad was on the podcast, he would take credit, but I like to tell my parents I raised myself, so I'll just take all the credit. (laughs) But, um, you know, growing up in the church world, myself, my dad was a music director at a little Baptist church. And so if you guys know small churches, there is opportunities galore for anyone that wants to get involved in worship or production. So I was sitting behind the soundboard at 13 and figuring out what's the difference between the gain knob and the fader. Which one do I mix with? 
So came up under that. Wh- which one? Which one? That's a big debate. <laughs> I I had a guy teach me that you you set all the faders at Unity and then you mix with the gain knobs. And I was like, and, really? And he's in hell. Yeah. I I think he literally went to prison eventually. He deserved every yeah. freaking day of it. Obviously. <laughs> Haven't we all? So uh, got all sorts of opportunities that I never would have gotten. I won't say never. I know we have a lot of listeners at big churches that are doing great things for young guys getting involved in production. But my dad approached me one day and said, hey, you want to start a recording studio in the church basement? So I was producing bands at 17 in the church basement and getting all sorts of fun opportunities. And then, of course, you know, passion comes out. And I think, oh, well, you got... Crowder Tomlin and eventually Toby Walters. So I <laughs> tried to do the worship artist thing for a long time. I realized I was too short and too good looking to be Crowder and I was too tall and too ugly to be Tomlin. <laughs> so that's pretty good. What I did realize is I was really good at flipping gear. I'd find a good deal on Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, meet the guy in the parking lot at Guitar Center, hand him cash, and then take it back and resell it on eBay, take better picture charge a better price. And so that paid the bills while I tried to convince the world that I was the next great Christian artist. And when I finally got into my 30s and I was just so tired of trying to make that dream a reality, um, I just was flipping gear full time. But there was just kind of this nudge that God just kept, you know, poking me on the shoulder saying, do this for the church, do this for the church. And so about three years ago, I started to get serious about that calling and rebranded everything I was doing and then launched church gear, not quite knowing what was going to happen. And the website launched in March of 2020. Nothing else, you know, globally was happening at that time. Wow. Um, And just, you know, it was kind of slow and steady growth over three or four months and then just started to grow like crazy. Because as you guys know, churches just sort of hide all their old production gear in dark corners and pretend it doesn't exist anymore. And production guys are so overworked at churches that they don't have the time or energy. So when they realize, oh, you'll come to us, like you'll just take it away and pay us and it's gone. Right. Uh, yes, please. So it's been, it's been amazing. And then, you know, obviously partnering with, with you guys at MXU, we got friends at Amplio that, you know, we work really well with and just lots of great churches all over that have been just wonderful partners with us. It's been a really cool reception for us. Cool. And for those that don't know, tell us what the the business model actually is. You you basically said it, but what's the... Yeah. So we asked churches to make us a list of their old decommissioned production gear, audio, video, lighting, even music stuff. We make them a cash price offer. We detail it out every single piece so they know exactly what we will pay them for it. If they, you know, give us a thumbs up and say, come get it, we will arrange a time. We'll show up in person with a truck. We'll load it all up. We will hand them a payment and their stuff is gone and money is right back in their budget. So then we take on all the work on the back end. We take it back to our warehouse in Franklin. We got former production guys that are just incredible techs. They go through every piece, test and recertify it. And our terminology is certified church owned. So every single in and out, every single knob, every function is fully tested. And then we warranty it for six months to churches whenever they purchase directly through us. So to really our heart and our mission is to get that gear back into the hands of smaller churches that don't have the budgets of Elevation and Willow Creek that still need great gear. That's awesome. Why I love you guys so much is, you know, I I give a lot of crap to manufacturers and even some integrators because, you know, it's the church relying on other people's opinions on what they should do with their resources when those people with those opinions are financially uh, incentivized to sometimes tell them the wrong things. Right. Well, I can't figure out a scenario in this where you do the wrong thing and screw over a church. So I was like, can we please partner together? <laughs> because it's like, here's our gear. You offer them a price and they say yes or no. Sure. And otherwise that gear is going to sit in these closets for years. They, cause Hey, I was on staff at church for 15 years and 
I cannot tell you how many times we looked at all this old gear and thought, we should sell that. Like, let's have a yard sale. Like, where, where can this stuff go? And it doesn't go anywhere. It sits there. Yeah. And we hear no all the time from churches and it's totally fine. It's usually one of two things. Either they have the time and capacity to sell it themselves, which we encourage them to do. Because, I mean, just like instead of trading your car in at CarMax, if you sell it yourself, you're going to get twice as much. Yeah. Yeah. But the other thing is that in six or nine months, they just come back to us and say, you know what? <laughs> Let's go ahead and have you guys come yeah. purchase it because we never ended up doing anything with it. For sure. And then the other part of this that I like is because of supply chain and inventory problems with new gear, you guys have loads of gear right now in your online inventory that's warrantied, that's cheaper than retail, that you cannot get off the shelf new. Yep. We got some Clang Fabriques and hey, we have a DNB system that used to be in the Granite Bay campus of Mr. Lee Fields territory. Did you get it from William Jessup University? We sure did. That is hilarious. So we sold an old PA in 2012, I think, to William Jessup University um, so that we could get a new PA at Bayside. And now you just bought it from Jessup. Correct. And a good portion of it is on its way to a church in Minnesota right now who used the MXU Easter code to save 600 bucks on the speakers they bought. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Full circle. So yeah, from Lee Fields to MXU to us, to this church in Minnesota. I mean, it all comes back to, to Jerry spring. I mean, Lee Fields. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what is the MXU code with you guys and what, what do they get for that? So we're, we know that churches have Easter coming up and we're, you know, just kind of keeping it at the top of the mind so as we partner with MXU, if they use the code MXU Easter, just one word on our website when they check out, they can have 10% off their entire order, no limit. So if you want to purchase $10 million, it's a million dollars off. That's and the first a, person like that. to do that, I will literally send our marketing guy as their new chief of staff. <laughs> right. It comes with a human being full-time. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm looking at your website now. I'm going shopping. Great. So um, I teased Jay about this a little bit, but do you have any just crazy stories of like closets full of gear that just look like an episode of Hoarders? Uh, Pretty much every week. So I don't mean to throw (laughs) anybody under the bus, but let's throw Steve Chenoweth under the bus and Scott Ragsdale at um, the crossing at Chesterfield in St. Louis. So I love Scott Ragsdale. I love yeah. Scott Ragsdale too. I mean, the guy has such a storied career that why not throw him under the bus? So Steve got my number from Caleb Lepke at Christ Community Church, and he works with Philo, and said, man, heard about you guys. I, I don't even know where to begin. I just need you to come here and figure it out. So I was like, all right, buddy, I got gotcha. you. So I had a family vacation in Branson, Missouri last week. We'll yeah, talk about you that did. another time. Dixie Stampede. <laughs> that tells me everything I need to know about your family. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, rented a you know sixteen foot truck and drove up to St. Louis and spent several hours with Steve. Just he's like, "Look, here's our storage unit. Here's hundreds of items. Go." So I just you know one at a time. I was either said like recycle pile or we pay you money pile, which started. Like we loaded up the entire truck, like 75 Lecos, Focusrite Rednet stuff, um, also like a couple Barco uh, HD 18 projectors, tons and tons of gear. And I mean, they got tens of thousands of dollars just put right back into their budget. That's amazing. So I had to clean up Steven Scott's mess, but those are great guys. So it's super fun doing it. They are good guys. What is the weirdest thing you found? The weirdest thing I found. That's a great question. Um, I'm going to switch the subject to the most interesting email we received so far because it happened last week. So I want okay. you guys to name the client as I give you some clues. Oh, okay. gosh. This is great. So I, um, well, the company received an email on Monday and one of my guys forwarded it to me and said who it was from. And I was, 
I was at the gym when I received it. I'm not doing the 75 day challenge. I'm just showing off like Jeff Sandstrom that I was yeah. at the gym. But I, you know, my mind was blown, but he's like, dude, it's legit. So this is a client that's not a church, but they are a mega star. Okay. This client probably has more fans than any other client in America. And just throw out guesses anytime you have them. I'll keep going until you get it. Well, uh, Bieber. Yeah. Nope. This client has performed at multiple Super Bowls. Uh, Stevie Wonder. This client, according to Google, is worth just under $7 billion. Okay. There's not many musicians worth that. Um, are there any musicians worth $7 billion? I don't know that there are. Did I say musician? You didn't. You said star. Football player? Much closer. Um, this client okay. might be considered America's client. The Dallas Cowboys? There you go. AT&T Stadium, Dallas Cowboys reached out said, we are decommissioning a whole bunch of gear and wondering if you guys want to buy some of it. So we're talking with them, but I'm just like, my mind is blown. I mean, I saw U2 in AT&T Stadium in 2009. Yeah, that place is huge. Yeah. How did they hear about you guys? Uh, we don't know yet. I asked, I'm very but he, interested. he didn't respond. I assumed it was Lee Fields because what can it Lee makes Fields you podcast. do? <laughs> You called me the Kim Kardashian of church production in a text well, message. Yeah. I lost my mind. Dude, that's incredible. I mean, who knows what you could be getting yourself into. Yeah. And it's a little scary as well because, um, you know, I could break the company if we right. buy all their gear. Right. Here's a million dollars in gear. Yeah. And then I have to tell every, every church in America, sorry, we bought the Cowboys gear instead. of Like, we don't have any money left. Yeah. It's got to be pretty fulfilling, though. Like, when you think about going to central or elevation mm -hmm. and taking a piece of gear out that they're like, get this garbage out of here. That then another church just, you know, making their way, climbing the tech ladder gets to put that in their system and it changes the way they operate. That's gotta be super fulfilling for you. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. So I get tired sometimes, but it's yeah. super fun to see. Like I just love the church and I want it to flourish and I've always been a scrapper. Like that's kind of my parents always had like 17 jobs. So, you know, it's with, it's like in my blood to not want churches to waste money on things they don't need and not to waste yeah. money on gear that's sitting in their closet. So it's like, I get to, to help both sides of the equation. Well, that's why we like you guys so much. It's exactly what you just said. Like seeing churches waste their money is I lose sleep about it and yeah. they're not even my churches. So I, I totally understand what you're saying. And we had lunch with uh, Dylan Howell yesterday. I heard. Your buddy. Yeah. But it was hilarious because we're having lunch and we're talking about Central Church. And then I was like, wait a second. Like our truck is coming back from Central Church right now. It's going to be at our warehouse in like two hours. Yeah. yeah. And you, so you, you went to go get all the <laughs> that he bought when he was there. Yeah. That's what he said. He's like, I can't wait for this truck to arrive. I'm going to start texting Adam Taylor and be like, look at all the stuff I bought. And now it's back here. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so what else? You got to have some like cool stories. So one of the stories I love to tell is kind of like when the light bulb moment went off. And yeah. back when I was trying to be the worship artist and I was trying to figure out what God's calling on my life was, and I was interviewing at churches to just be a worship pastor. I thought, this is the next step. This is 2009. And I was interviewing with a church in California and as I was kind of getting the site tour as part of the interview, they're talking about they need a total system overhaul. And they're a church of about 250. And they said, you know, the quote we got from the integrator is 150 grand. And so a small church, 2009, 150 grand. And they're thinking like, we got 30 grand. Yeah. And so they just were at the point where they're like, well, I guess we're stuck. There's nothing to do. 
So as we're doing this site visit, I mean, you guys have been around church a long time. Like you, you should just not be shocked what you find in church yeah. basements and attics anymore. Right. So we're in the basement and I see these like vintage looking suitcases. I'm like what in the world are those things? Look like something from the set of like Mrs. Maisel. And the, the pastor says, well, those are our handbell set. I said handbells, like you're doing modern worship now. When, when's the last time you used the handbells? And he said, I have no idea. Like, I wasn't here. Nobody was here when the last thing, last time these were used. So I said, Do you, have you ever thought of selling them? And he said, Well, are they worth anything? So I said, I think they might be worth a lot. So he, you know, he's very curious about that idea. Now, they didn't give me the job. So I was like, You know, awesome. Thank you. But the guy they did give the job to then calls me about these handbells. It's like way to pour salt in the wound. But I, you know, I tried to be nice and helpful. So he says, hey, I'm thinking about selling these handbells. I know you told our pastor they might be worth something. So I kind of gave him some advice. And then they just sold them on Craigslist for $9,000. Oh, my gosh. Dude, handbells are no joke. I know. These things gold-plated. I mean, they're bronze-plated, but... Yeah, to that church, it's like they now have nine grand to take a huge bite out of that budget. And so, you know, as they get creative and can, it's like there is treasure buried in church basements. You just got to go looking. Dude, I bet you have found so many mini disc recorders. <laughs> you can't DJ without a mini disc recorder, Jay. <laughs> I heard that. You still sell handbells regularly, don't still you? I see do. them on the site. Yeah. And they're, I was shocked like three bells and they're like thousands of dollars. Yeah. And that's cheap. Yep. Like half the price of new. It's crazy. That's crazy. And what was fun during COVID, like we had a church in Europe and especially, I think they were in Germany. And as we know, like Europe was shut down hard. So he said, we can't do a choir because of COVID. He said, but what we can do is a handbell choir. So they bought handbells from us and like started a handbell choir because it was something they could do creatively during COVID. All right. So all you churches out there in Portland that the government still controls your life, <laughs> check out church gear and uh, get, get yourself a hand, handbell choir. That's yeah. right. Um, I, That's awesome. This whole time y'all been talking, I've been on the church gear website. <laughs> Just looking at gear. Fantastic. I do that. Like I go on Mondays. Is, when do I get the email that's like, here's all the stuff we're not advertising? You get the early service at 8.30 Central Time every Monday morning. So yeah, all our sexiest gear, 48 hours before it goes up on our site or eBay. Ooh, how, or do I, how do I get on that list? Churchgear.com slash early service. Okay. And anyone can sign up or is it just for special people? Any Well, yeah, I mean, you're very special, Lee, but anyone can sign up. You know, you need a, a rehearsal page. And that one only goes out to like returning customers. That's like a VIP program. Well, we thought like maybe the sunrise service yeah. could be the early, early service. Everybody hates the sunrise service. Oh, of course. I don't know why people do it. I got sick every year when I was a worship leader. We do the sunrise service. I'd be like have a cold for two weeks after it every year. Why do people think that's a good idea? Mm. I guess it's when Jesus rose, but the rest of us know. arise he came out later. That early. I think he slept in that day. I mean, he is God incarnate, so I would. Most peaceful. If I was God, I would sleep in. The early service is so popular in Orange County, specifically. Where do, the, where do people do it? <laughs> Anywhere. At the beach. Outdoor, because the weather is amazing in Southern California. So every church has a yeah. sunrise service on Easter. Uh, there are people that do it at the top of Stone Mountain here in Atlanta, and I did it one year. It's like, never doing this again. You never <laughs> want to set up so stupid JBLs on stands that. You know, 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah, That's ridiculous. Yeah. So what's next for you guys? I know you've been hiring a lot of people. You got any open positions? I keep sending you candidates. Yeah. Um, right now, I think our biggest need is a video tech. Someone that understands switchers, cameras, streaming boxes that, you know, is loves that gear. And every time the truck rolls up and new pieces fall into their lap, they think it's Christmas morning. So that's a very unique skill set, but yeah. one we're looking for. It's the, it's that video guy that keeps getting in trouble for being mean to people, and they're probably oh, yeah. super introverted, and they're like, I can't figure out why I'm so mean, but I love this so much. Like, I'm being serious. I'm not trying to be crass. Yeah. 
like a job like that is probably perfect for you. And we love church refugees, guys that love yeah. the church, but maybe are ready to, you know, work in sort of a parachurch ministry that serve this church, but isn't necessarily on a church staff anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I but you're it. about to be controversial. You're about to be in the secular if you take that Cowboys. That's true. No, lo- no longer just serving the church. It depends on who way. you're talking about, Jay. There's a lot Jerry of people Jones. that think uh, the Cowboys are a very religious experience. Definitely not. I think they're a laughing stock, but. I just don't. I can't do the NFL, period. I live in Atlanta. We don't do the NFL either. You're the That's true. <laughs> and you just got rid of your quarterback for a third round pick, and the Colts are happy about it. Right. Like, how does that work? I, I root for the Raiders most of the time. Oh, that's painful. So you and uh, you did a podcast yesterday with Dylan? Yeah, we recorded the episode. It will come out. I don't know what our schedule is. Um, I know we got Robbie Kurtz from Four Wall nice. coming out this week. Uh, Robbie's a buddy, lives here in town, and it was fun to hear his story. Uh, on that episode, he almost kills a worship band in a 15-passenger van. So, yeah, he admits wow. it. He, that Everyone almost died. I thought I was going to die on a bus with him. I was on a tour with him in Europe, and they're double-decker buses. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, this way. And all of, well, all of the bunks are upstairs. Like, the entire coach, it's, it's just uh, bunks, but they're too high. So I can't stand up in those. Like, if you're about, like, 5'8", you can probably stand up. Or 5'4 and a half. Or 5'4 and a half. But in the nose of the bus, up front, above the driver, there's two beds, long ways. So going from wheel to wheel. Well, he and I were the last ones to fly in the country or get on the bus. So we had those. And those two up there, it's like a tiny little hole that you climb through to get into that bunk. That's It's not like the rest of the bunks are full-length curtain. And you just kind of get in and out. Up there, it's like 18 inches wide. So I needed like the Jeff Sandstrom CrossFit regimen to fit through <laughs> that thing. But it also didn't have air conditioning. But when you're laying down, one whole side of you is basically the front windshield of the bus. You're just up there. So every night I thought I was going to die because like the swaying is different orientation than you're used to being in a bus in America. It was the craziest thing. And you're trying to squeeze your Kardashian-sized booty in there. Yeah. Yeah, it went yeah. barely. But we were so tired. Did you hear about the truck in Austin that the tornado hit? Did you guys see this no. video? Just from... This last week, so a car's driving down the highway in Austin. It a tornado picks it up, flips it over, then picks it up again, flips it back upright, and the guy just keeps going. A pickup truck, yeah. And he kept driving. He kept driving. So there's video footage of this online. Had to be an F one fifty. Yeah, those Ford guys are crazy. <laughs> they are crazy. That's awesome. Um, have you found any good B threes? Will you just call me before you sell a B3? Now, do you want like the real, like full size console one with the Leslie or yeah, will like the, the like, you know, the Hammond keyboard suffice for you? Oh, no, 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 no. I want the original. Yeah. There's a church here in Atlanta that has two Fender Roads in their attic. And I have been trying for 20 years <laughs> to buy them. We bought a couple Fender Roads. Those things are so cool. Really? That's okay. So, like, what about high end gear that I mean, typically wouldn't come in? Have you run across anything that you're you look at the church and you're like, you sure you want to sell this? I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, a church sent us a list of like outboard processors, and there were a couple of DBX 165As. And I'm like, I I asked him for I'll a picture them. because I was like, are you sure they're 165As? These things are like super cool old radio compressors that are in studios and stuff. Sure enough. Are you buying them? Oh, heck yeah. Uh, can I buy them from you? <laughs> Done. It, you got to use the code. That's I, right. <laughs> I'll come up with a new code for that one. Uh, Corey, you missed it the first half of the podcast, which you'll hear when you listen to it, maybe. Corey and I are building our own outboard rack because okay. it gears so hard to find right now. Yeah. But we're buying a bunch of this stuff new because we can't find it anywhere. Yeah. So maybe you should send Toby a list. I should. Just stuff to look for. I'll scour churches for you. I like old gear. I like vintage gear because when it's gone in this season, it's never coming back. Yeah, I know. But some stuff they still make, like they sure. still make distressors. Sure. But 
Maybe, maybe I should do this. If a church wants to give Corey and I two distressors, we'll do a, <laughs> a consult about your online mix for free over Zoom. <laughs> or if they want to sell two distressors to church gear, we'll give them cash. That, so I'm just uh, just competing. Wait with a feeling. second. How what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> this interview is over. <laughs> okay, Toby, before we wrap, we're gonna yep. involve you involve you in one of our segments called Turn Down for MXU. Sweet. This is where we read on the air church sound complaints that people write to the church. Okay. Well, I don't know if I've read any recently. My favorite one of all time has come in. Well, the last one we had was pretty good. I, I feel like this one better. Oh, gosh. Here we go. Because this one involves, they sent a gift to the church. Mm. It's not like a flaming bag of turd on the front door, right? <laughs> no. Okay. So um, I'm, I'm going to leave the names out, but this came through our team Slack. So everyone that are team subscribers, they get invited to our team Slack account. That's a plug for our subscription. And now you can send assignments to your team anyway. Um, okay. Here it goes. A couple weeks after Christmas in early January, a box arrived at the church. It was addressed to no one in particular, so it ended up on the pastor's assistant's desk. The box eventually ended up on my desk. Inside the box, there was a card, and there's a picture of it. The card speaks for itself. The gift is now on my wall of my office because there's no way I'll put it up in the worship center. So now I'm going to read you the card, and then I'm going to tell you what the gift was. Here's the card. Hello, church name. The Christmas service was great, except it was way too loud. Again, this has been an issue for well over a decade. So I bought our church a belated gift. The audio team has earpieces or headsets, so they cannot appreciate how loud it is. I have an elderly father who brings earplugs. Anyone who tears up after the service, a simple comment, quote, boy, that was loud, end quote, and everyone's heads nod up and down. I'm surprised more families don't have their young kids with earplugs slash headsets. And then there's some bullet points. 120 dB causes immediate harm to the ears. Agreed. 80 dB for long, one hour exposure may damage hearing. 100 dB hearing loss after 15 minutes. So at the speakers near the stage should be less than 80 dB and back by the booth, perhaps less. Now for the gift. It is a wall mounted dB meter with an alarm. <laughs> and then you set the threshold of when the alarm sounds and beeps at you when you cross <laughs> a certain threshold. First off, the guy who sent the guy or girl who sent this gift is gangster. It's pretty awesome. I mean, is Jay and Desai then, the elderly father that they're referring to? <laughs> oh my gosh. And then someone in the Slack found it. Walmart sells this thing. It's called Smart Sensor AR884A sound level meter with large LCD screen, wall mounted digital sound level meter, digital noise meter, decibel monitoring, tester, blah, 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 blah. It's $75. And the uh, product picture is like it's in someone's living room above their couch. This giant, it's probably like 18, 19 inches wide on the wall in this living room says 52.2 dB. Oh, that that's a gangster move. That's gangster. Passive aggressive gangster, but also handling things. We're going to start seeing these everywhere. They're going to start popping up at churches all over now. Pastors are going to just start putting them on the back walls by the booth, passive aggressively telling their sound guys to turn it down. I bet they're in libraries. This is something a librarian would put up. Yeah, I'm trying to think what the use of this large alarmed device would be. Maybe in work environments, OSHA environments. Yeah, offices. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to put it in my kid's room. Hey, if this alarm goes <laughs> off, I'm going to come in here and smack you up the head. <laughs> you guys should put one in your office. But, but like have it be set to like 90. So anytime it gets... Remotely mm. loud, it just starts going off. Yeah, for staff meetings, somebody's Wait, talking is there, too much. Is there a big LED display? Yeah. Oh gosh, this is amazing. Okay, I'm looking it up. I'm, yeah, you gotta look it up. I'm gonna buy one and from a loft. You cannot find it on churchgear.com. 
But what if someone has one? <laughs> no. <laughs> They're going to try and sell it to you. That's I what won't buy happen. it. Won't do oh, it. This, this thing is nice. It's serious. I'm, yeah, it is serious. Intel Instruments Pro. Okay. Yeah, I'm ordering one. I'm going to set it up every time I mix. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to calibrate it wrong, though. Well, fellas, I got to head to the airport. Where are you going? I'm going to Las Vegas. Mm. To, to the Centrals? Uh-huh. And I'm not allowed to drink. Yeah, yeah, no. No ah. drinking. Because of Jesus or the 75-day challenge? 75-day challenge. Okay. I'm going to dinner tonight at Bavette's. Okay. You got, you're going to have a hard time. Yep. Is is your is Adam going to be there? Uh, tonight is just Drew and I. But I'm staying at Adam's house. His family's out of town this weekend, so oh, okay. crashing there. Yeah. This podcast won't come out till Monday, so I can say all this and people won't stalk us in Vegas all weekend. I don't think anyone cares where you are. Well, he said I'm Kim Kardashian, so she has <laughs> schedules paparazzi to show up outside yeah, the yeah. restaurant. Some church production guy in Carolina is like, oh, Lee's going to be in Vegas. Books a last-minute <laughs> ticket. That's really That's how that works. Ridiculous. <laughs> Not at all. I would, somebody's done that to me before, like at, at the tour, you know, they asked for like pictures and stuff. Um, but people have asked for my autograph. Uh, it's, it's had to have happened to you at a show. I know what's happened to Jeff. And I always say no. Oh, no, I signed the hell out of that thing. <laughs> no, I don't because I'm like, we're not like celebrities. Like, I'll, I'll give you my phone number, bro. Like, I'm just one of you. No, that's that's not me. You're not getting my phone number. Two, you're welcome to my house anytime. But let me tell you something. Someone opens that door unannounced, you better be ready. <laughs> now, Jay did ask me to autograph his man boobs one time. So I thought that was a little awkward, but, you know, these things happen. Yeah, it does happen, you know. Yeah. I'm trying to get them to man pecs, but they're saying man boobs. <laughs> You're going to need a MXU 750 day challenge for that. <laughs> right. I'm going to need a surgery, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Well, let's wrap it there. It's been a good one. Hopefully, we made Jeff proud. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. He's going to be, I said some words and he's mm-hmm. going to, you know, do his shake head thing. This might be the yeah, worst his... episode ever. Yeah, that's great. I think it's one of the best ones. All right. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to go through my my loft today and find stuff for you to buy, Toby. Sweet. On my way. Get those pecs going. <laughs> that's great. Thanks for being on. Hey, how can people get your podcast? Just search Church Gear Podcast. The Church Gear Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And it's one word, Church Gear, one word. Okay, got it. Can I come on your podcast? Please. Can Jay come on your podcast? Yeah, and then we'll talk about Lee. Okay, great. Perfect. But just not Jeff. <laughs>